I'm not afraid. Are you? The Watchman Speaks discusses biblical solutions to modern-day dilemmas. I'll tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel. I pray you listen. Welcome to The Watchman Speaks. I'm your host, Ollie Richardson. Today is the third day of the second month of E.R. The second month is mentioned some 15 times that I have found in the Bible. It is referred to as the second month, Ziv, or Ziv, and E.R. Prior to the Babylonian exile, the second month was referred to as the second month, or Ziv. After the Babylonian exile came to an end, the second month was referred to as E.R. in the book of Ezra. The first date mentioned in the Bible that I can find is the 17th day of the second month in Genesis chapter 7 verse 11, which reads, And the 600th year of Noah's life, and the second month on the 17th day of the month, on that same day all the fountains of the great deep burst open, and floodgates of the sky were opened. Noah's flood began on that day. Pretty significant date, I would say. The next date of the second month was mentioned in Genesis chapter 8 verse 14 which reads, In the second month of the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. Amazing. From the beginning to the end of the flood had lasted one ecclesiastical year and ten days. It was at that time, or about that time, God made a covenant. Placing a rainbow in the skies a reminder that he would never again destroy all flesh again. That is a covenant that is still in effect today. So much for the I'm under a new covenant crowd. They are still under that old covenant promise that God made with Noah, which was before even Abraham. You, me, us, them, y'all, are still under the same old covenant or promise God made to Noah. Thank God that he keeps his promises. By the way, rainbows are for God's promise to many, not the privileges of the few. So just a word about covenants for the I'm strictly under the new covenant crowd. There's a lot of the new covenant that is not so new, as there are old covenant promises extending into the new covenant that have not as yet been fulfilled. Yep, I said it. I'm not going to take it back. Covenants are promises. And as far as I'm aware, God has never made a promise that he is not capable of or intending to keep. There are parts of the New Covenant that stem from Old Covenants that are still in operation, and I pray for all our sakes that they are. E.R. is the second month of God's calendar and the seventh month of the Jewish civil calendar. E.R. is considered to be the month of healing. In fact, E.R. is a Hebrew name that is an acronym for I am God your healer. Now you'll find that in Exodus chapter 15 verse 26. It is there that God reveals one of the more important covenant names, Yahweh Rapha, God is my healer. Now, if you look into Exodus 15, you'll find that Israel has crossed the Red Sea. 
God has destroyed the Egyptian armies, and in verse 26 pronounced himself as the healer. In chapter 16, verse 1, we read, Then they set out for Elam, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt. Now, if you read a little further, you'll find this is when God began providing manna for the sons of Israel. Again, as God did in Genesis 22, when he provided a ram for a substitutionary sacrifice for Abraham's son, Isaac. God reiterates another covenant name, Yahweh Yireh, or Jehovah Jireh, as a lot of the Western church would say. God who sees and provides. That's twice in two successive chapters that God reveals or reiterates a covenant of promise. Do you still want to hold to that I'm under the new covenant stance? I'm under the new covenant, but you better believe I'm willing to step under the umbrella of the ongoing old covenant promises as well. well let's move along to Exodus chapter 17, where Israel is attacked by the Amalekites. Old Moses went up on top of the hill, and as long as he held his hands up to God, Israel was winning the battle. But when he dropped his hands, Israel began losing and losing heavily. So Aaron and Hur helped Moses keep his hands up. Israel learned a lot about praise that day and how praise is the key to victory. Therein God revealed another covenant name, Yahweh Nisi. The Lord is my banner of victory. As you can see, there's a lot that one can learn in this Bible study stuff, and I'm amazed at what can be learned if you set your heart to it. I didn't learn any of this stuff in seminary. No, not at all. Hmm. In seminary, I learned all the right answers to questions asked by men who were supposedly greater in spiritual stature than I was. Now, I'm not so certain that was the case. Great men, some of them, but greater, I'm not so sure. You see, I've learned since then it's not about learning the right answers to the status quo questions that men have reasoned in their minds. No, it's about reading, study, praying, for knowledge and wisdom, seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit to reveal the right questions, and then go searching for those answers. It's not about merely knowing answers. That's religion. It's about knowing through relationship. I don't know about you, but this is what I conclude from the scriptures. I believe that God wants us to reconfirm our covenant with him at Passover in the first month of Nisan or of Eve, so that he can reveal the power of his covenant names in the second month, so that we can be brought into a whole new level of understanding and power of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost in the third month. That's how I see it. I'll get to the third month in Pentecost as the third month approaches. Do you remember how secrets were revealed to Daniel? Daniel chapter 2, verses 21-22 read, It is he who changes the times and epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. You can have wisdom and knowledge of profound and hidden things, but you have to ask and seek for those things. Knowing God's time is knowing God's word. 
I'm just meandering through here, through the scriptures, connecting some dots, and I'm often amazed at how pieces of a puzzle fall together. Let's look at Matthew 13, verse 11, reads, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. God wants us to ask. James chapter 1, verse 5, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. E.R. is a time when God will reveal the blessings of his ongoing covenants if you will set your heart to seek him earnestly. In doing so, you may walk in a heightened sense of reality all year long, that reality being that you have the right and authority to operate and power the Holy Spirit within you. Will that always be pleasant? No. It will not. In fact, most likely it's going to be uncomfortable. Do you think that Jesus was comfortable knowing that his teachings were going to result in his death? All the apostles, save for John, met brutal deaths. John had the misfortune of surviving long enough to suffer isolation in the prison camps of Patmos. Do you think for a moment that any of those men were comfortable? I doubt it. But they had promises, and they held on to the promises, even though they died before seeing the promises fulfilled. However, they still held on to the promises, for the promises are coming. Now let's talk about the tribe of Issachar. When Moses and Israel moved the tabernacle or tent of meeting, Issachar was the second to move out. Issachar was the ninth son of Jacob, who would become Israel, and the fifth son of Leah. Leah had ceased to conceive after the birth of Judah and had given her maid Zilpha to Jacob. In Genesis chapter 30, verse 18, Leah gave birth to Issachar and said, God has given me my wages because I have given my maid to my husband. The name Issachar means he will bring me reward. The three tribes of Judah, Issachar, and Zebulon were grouped to the east of the tabernacle. The positioning of these tribes is the model of the current church. Judah would move out first with war, worship, and praise. Issachar would move out second with a knowledge of times and timing and the seasons. Zebulon would move out third as a source of supply. When King David assembled his armies, he did so according to the strengths of the man of the tribe from which they came. Issachar was gifted with knowing the times and what Israel should do. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. It says, Of the sons of Issachar, men who understood the times with knowledge and what Israel should do, their chiefs were 200 and all their kinsmen were at their command. That's what I'm attempting to accomplish with these Bible studies in regard to God's time. It is important to know what season we are in within God's time. It is important to align ourselves with God in his time, for then we will know what to be doing within that time. But Issachar was known for more than merely knowing what to do and when to do it. The tribe of Issachar is also associated with prosperity, blessings, and intercession. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 40 reads, Moreover, those who were near to them, even as far away as Issachar and Zebulon and Naphtali, brought food on donkeys, camels, mules, and on oxen, great quantities of flour cakes, fig cakes, and bunches of raisins, wine, oil, oxen, and sheep. 
there was joy indeed in Israel. Issachar was an important element in knowing it was time to align themselves with David instead of Saul. In making that decision, they also assisted in the provision of God's growing armies. The only negative in the Bible that I can find mentioned Issachar is that after the kingdom divided in the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, is that there was a king over Israel named Baasha, who was not a godly king, and led Israel into a continued sin of Jeroboam. Baasha was from the tribe of Issachar. Now what does all this mean to the modern believer? Well, if you have your heart set on God in his way and his time, it can mean quite a lot. If you don't have your heart set on God and understanding how he works in his time, it probably means very little to you. First, last month in the first month of Aviv or Nisan, we remember and reconfirm the covenant we have with God through Jesus Christ at his Passover, as well as celebrating the resurrection. Second, in this month, the second month, or the month of Iyar, we seek God through his spirit and his word to have secrets and mysteries of hidden blessings revealed to us so that we understand the times we are in and what we ought to do. It is a time to understand the seasons that are coming later in the year and where we should be aligning ourselves. Thirdly, all of this prepares us for the giving of magnificent gifts as we rejoice and receive the spirit of the living God was poured out upon all flesh at Pentecost in the third month of Sivan, or Sewan. Just a note on that. What does Pentecost mean in the Greek? It means 50th day. Why is that important? Well, you must understand that after the Passover, Israel was instructed to count the Omers. Fifty days later, it was the Feast of Weeks which was the time of the second harvest of wheat. Fifty days after Passover, on Pentecost, was when the Spirit of God was poured out on all flesh. How convenient is it that Pentecost coincides the same date as the Feast of Weeks or a feast celebrating God's giving of provision for an entire year? Is that convenience or by design? That's something that you'll have to decide for yourself. I happen to believe that it was by God's design. More than two or three millennia had passed between the establishment of the Feast of Weeks and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Only God can arrange such things. Here's something else that you may not be aware of concerning the feasts. They are all conducted during harvest seasons. Who doesn't want a harvest? To understand and appreciate the benefit of harvest, seed must be planted. We are currently in a planting season. What we sow now will be what we harvest in the fall. This is not rocket science, people. It is God's natural order and process. Farmers have planted seed and gathered harvest since the dawn of man. It is a naturally occurring process in the physical realm as well as the spiritual realm. Another thing about ER is that it is this month in which the second Passover opportunity presented itself. If you didn't at least remember Passover in Nisan last month, while I was discussing the Passover, you have a second opportunity this month in ER. We go to Numbers chapter 9, verses 6 through 11. We read, 
But there were some men who were unclean because of a dead person, so they could not observe Passover on that day. So they came before Moses and Aaron on that day. Those men said to him, Though we are unclean because of a dead person, why are we restrained from presenting the offering to the Lord at his appointed time among the sons of Israel? Moses kind of said, uh, Wait a minute. Let me talk to God, and I'll listen to him and see what he commands concerning you. And it goes on to say, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, If any one of you or your generations becomes unclean because of a dead person or is on a distant journey, he may, however, observe the Passover to the Lord. In the second month on the fourteenth day at twilight, he shall observe it. They shall eat unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Therein we have a second opportunity to remember and reconfirm our covenant with the Lord. It's what some in the modern church refer to as rededication. But take special note of verse 13. But the man who is clean and not on a journey and yet neglects to observe the Passover, that person shall then be cut off from his people, for he did not present the offering of the Lord at its appointed time. That man will bear his sin. So how does that affect us? Well, Jesus removed the leavening from his father's house. When we accept Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we're made clean. We are all on a journey. However, it is the blood of Jesus Christ that is redeeming agent for our sin. That blood was spilled under the death of the sacrificial Lamb of God. We should remember that. That is the Lord's Passover. But what about the offering at its appointed time? Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 says, Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name. Notice, a sacrifice of praise. What is the tribe of Nisan for the Passover? Judah. What does the name Judah mean? Praise. And take notice of the fruit of the lips as well. The implication is the praise that rolls off our lips for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He was and is the first fruit of the dead, as in the Feast of First Fruits. It all ties together, folks. God has appointed times to meet with people for very specific reasons. When God makes an appointment, he keeps that appointment. Do you? Or do you cancel the appointment without any notification? Does that condemn you to hell? No, I don't think so. But just imagine that you have an appointment with someone that's very important, and that person does not show up and doesn't even call and tell you that they're not coming. How disappointing is that? My Lord and Savior gave everything that he had to give that I may have eternal life. Why would I not want to keep those appointments that his father, my heavenly father made. After all, Jesus kept those appointments. I observed the Passover with my family, and I will observe the second Passover to plead God's mercy for those who neglected the Passover, whether out of ignorance or out of spite. This month I am deeply rooted in prayer, asking for wisdom, to have hidden blessings revealed, to know the times and signs of the times that I may know what to do. 
I pray and I prepare for a fresh outpouring of his spirit in the months still yet ahead. The question now for you is, now that you know these things, what are you going to do about them? Will you take heed or will you continue ignoring them? I am the old watchman, Ezekiel, and you have been warned. Well, that's all for now. I thank you for your time and participation. Our time together is precious to me. Please, come and visit me at theoldwatchman.com for show notes, articles, video content, book reviews, Bible study material reviews, and Bible study methods. It's my hope and prayer that you get to know me through this podcast. Through the website at theoldwatchman.com, I can get to know you. If you like the content, consider following The Old Watchman on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. See you next time. May nothing in your life be missing. Nothing in your life be broken. Shalom.